Web Services. Welcome to the Cloud and Out podcast. We are your hosts, Andreas and Michael Willig. This podcast is all about AWS and gives you insights into our day-to-day -day work with AWS. This is episode number 70 and we are recording this on February the 9th in 2023. In case you are watching this live on YouTube, feel free to ask your questions in the comments. Uh, you can also reach us on LinkedIn, Mastodon or via email. You find all the details in the video or the show notes. Okay, Michael. Uh, so before we start, here's a message from our partner Demikon. So as you know, um, AWS expertise is in high demand and our partner Demikon is looking for a cloud operations lead working remotely from Germany or the EU. So if you are into leading a growing team of cloud architects and DevOps engineers, then this is for you. Demikon is a large technical consulting company um, and is leading the Atlassian full service provider, uh, a leading service provider here in, the, in Germany. So um, join Demikon building their new business unit uh, with a focus on cloud technologies and AWS. Uh, in case that sounds interesting to you, you will find uh, a link to um, this job in the show notes. Uh, check that out and apply today. All right, Andrea. So let's dive into what happened in the last uh, seven days, basically, um, when we uh, do our day-to-day -day work. So the first thing is, and it is AWS related, uh, but not uh, the usual information. So our book, AWS in Action, third edition, is going to print next week, actually. So we finally made it. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> After a lot of um, reading through um, um, was what they call first pages and stuff like this. So basically checking everything once again. Um, this means for all our MEEP um, uh, buyers of the book, so people who bought the book before it was actually fully available, they will receive their final ebook, I think probably in one or two weeks. And the if you bought a real book, like a printed book, you will receive that in, I, I would say, probably a month or so from now. So um, that's the schedule that we received for Manning, our publisher. So that's yeah. that's big news for us. And um, yeah, if you if you uh, bought the book, uh, we hope you like it. And uh, feel free to send us your uh, your feedback. Uh, we are really looking forward to that. We are very happy that it's finally done, right, Andreas? <laughs> yes. So Michael, I thought we, maybe maybe we should do a, a book release party live. That would be cool. Yes. So when the first that. printed book arrives uh, at our <laughs> our office, we maybe <laughs> should do um, a release party. Let's let's check that out. Okay. As I was reading through the chapters again of AWS in Action, the third edition, I stumbled upon um, a chapter that I, I rewrote a little bit because a lot changed here and I wanted to bring this uh, to, to this episode. So um, actually, um, AWS announced this week um, a new SLA for ElastiCache Redis and MemoryDB which now both come with an SLA of 99.99% um, um, availability. Uh, so this is a 10 time increase uh, of the availability promise they made, they make here. And um, this reminded me about um, yeah, MemoryDB and Redis. So Michael, I don't know, did you, did you ever uh, dive into uh, MemoryDB before? So do you know uh, what this is all about? No, just a just the docs, basically. So that's a good uh, good chance for me to to bring you up to date here. So, so basically, um, 
uh, Elasticache for Redis uh, manages um, an in-memory database cluster uh, with uh, Redis for you. So we have been using Redis um, quite some time, Michael. So I think the first time we used it was when building that online banking uh, system. I think we used Redis back then um, because it, it is both a uh, key value store in memory and also has this pops up uh, system to send messages. Um, so this is, I think, two interesting features of Redis. And um, so what Elasticache was doing it is basically managing uh, Redis nodes for you. And it's quite complicated. <laughs> so, of course, you can have different setups. You can just spin up a single Redis instance. Uh, you can spin up um, uh, multiple Redis instances. And then you have the option of having multiple shards or just having replicas. Um, so, basically, you have <laughs> a lot of different options there. It's quite quite complicated to get your head around this. And um, But one thing with Elasticash for Redis is, so, so by nature, Redis is an in-memory database. And um, Redis itself, it also writes, uh, I would say, kind of a transaction log to, to storage. Um, so you, could, you can also uh, enable that persistence option. But Elasticash for Redis is 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 using that feature you can use it to basically restore your cache um but it's not it's not intended to be really a, a first class database that you rely on for persistence so it is really an in-memory database and you have that persistence which is fine because you might need to restore your caches uh, so not the whole load hits your database and stuff like that but it's not really intended for uh, being the only source for persisting your data yeah, that's uh, that's uh, an important uh, thing to know when architecting stuff. Um, but then AWS announced uh, MemoryDB, and basically MemoryDB is, um, I would say MemoryDB is for Redis, uh, what Aurora is uh, for MySQL and Postgres. Uh, so it's a proprietary uh, implementation of um, the Redis database protocol, basically. <laughs> and um, it uses um, a persistent transaction log um, so here you can rely that when MemoryDB has um, basically persist or basically um, acknowledged your write, it gets persisted to um, this distributed transaction log. So distributed among multiple availability zones by default. And um, so this is interesting because now you can you have basically both a mixture of an in-memory database and also database that guarantees um, persisting your data. And I think that's quite quite cool. That's the, the most important thing. And what you get uh, with that is, for example, one important thing is the replicas. So you can have you have one um, primary node, and then you can have replica nodes distributed among availability zones, and they all basically work on the same um, transaction log, distributed transaction log. And uh, in case the primary node fails, a replica node just picks up based on the same data that has been stored in the transaction log. And, and so you don't have any data loss or anything um, by switching from a primary node to a replica node. Um, so that's interesting. Um, and yeah, I think also just the, the idea that you have a persistent data uh, replicated among data centers, but also you have it in memory. <laughs> so it's, uh, we have really low read latencies and still benefit from the persistence. So I think that's a really cool uh, thing to keep in mind when architecting for AWS. Um, so either things like a shopping cart, a session, um, stuff that you do, do not want to lose, um, but uh, it's, 
it's also um yeah um for advantage an advantage to have that in memory for, to mm -hmm. to read it fast so this is a a good thing here uh, i think um the the difference so when you compare to um redis the standalone redis with elastic cache um the difference is of course uh, writing data takes longer so you have a milliseconds uh, latency when it comes to writing data and microsecond latency when it comes to reading data so um, compared to just writing it to memory, of course, it's a little bit slower to persist it to storage and then replicate it to other nodes. But also keep in mind the replicas are still eventually consistent. So uh, reading the data from the replicas is uh, eventually consistent. So basically that could be a good option for like read-heavy uh, workloads where you still want to benefit from the in-memory aspect um, and yeah. the writes and, are and not so... And of course, it also is for workloads where the whole thing fits into memory. <laughs> so yeah, you need to right. find an instance <laughs> type that. Uh, so I, I haven't looked up the numbers, but uh, so there's a, definitely an end to it <laughs> yeah. uh, where it's no longer fits into memory. Um, right. But yeah, other than that, so um, I don't know, shopping carts, um, maybe even product data, uh, stuff like that could go in uh, such a database. Yeah. Okay, Andreas. So I um, was working on one uh, issue that I have for quite some time. And I explained it like this. So there are tools that run in some AWS accounts that just automatically tag all the new resources with some tags. So for example, the user that created the resource, maybe the timestamp, things like that. But this approach does not really work well with infrastructure as code, right? Because what we all learn when we start using infrastructure as code is that out-of-band changes are bad because they kind of, I mean, you shouldn't change your infrastructure from the outside and not using your infrastructure as code tool. So the problem is in some large organizations, there is kind of an enforced way of tagging that is just auto-applied to all the resources. And now every time you run Terraform, it will just remove all the auto-added tags because it, it, I mean, it truly believes that this is not how it, the infrastructure should look like because it's not in my Terraform file. So I'm going to delete them. And then the other tool might um, notice that and then I just re-add the tags and then there's kind of a back and forth between the tools and you kind of yeah, see lots of changes in your Terraform um, plan that are not really necessary. Um, so one solution for that problem is, and it took me some time to actually find that because you can exclude certain attributes in Terraform from causing changes to the resource. So you could, like in every resource block, you could ignore changes to specific tags, for example. But this is, of course, a lot of work because if all the resources are automatically tagged, you have to copy that block to all the resources. So it turns out that you can have something like a global exclude of some tag keys by configuring the AWS provider in Terraform. And the um, parameter is called ignore tags. And you have two options here. You can either specify the tag keys, uh, like the whole tag key, or you can also specify prefixes of tags. So uh, using this approach, I was able by like inserting three lines into my provider configuration, I was able to get rid of those annoying changes that are constantly <laughs> detected by Terraform because there's some other tools adding tags to the resources that are managed by Terraform. And um, yeah, I find this a really cool solution. Um, if you're using CloudFormation, the whole problem doesn't really matter that much 
because if you update a resource or if you update your your stack with with CloudFormation and you don't make a change to the resource, it will never touch the uh, tags. Uh, it will detect or hopefully will detect the drift if you run drift detection. And so fingers crossed that it works, but um, it should. Um, but there's no real way to solve the problem with CloudFormation. So if for any reason you change tags, then likely you will override the existing or the like out of band added tags. So yeah, this is something that you really can only do with Terraform uh, as far as I know, at least. And it is really helpful uh, in this situation that I described. So yeah, I wanted to share that. I, I do have one question. So, um, mm-hmm. so I, I configured the AWS provider with the ignore tags, but is, mm-hmm. this is a basically, um, it is a, a list of the prefixes it should ignore. Can I also mm-hmm. have it the other way around? So basically only <laughs> specify the text that I, that I use myself in my configuration. That would be uh, yeah. even more interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's not possible. No, I, I would also ap- yeah. uh, uh, like that approach more, uh, but <laughs> it's not possible. Yeah. I, because I, I don't have control over all the tools that are adding text to my resources, but I have control yes. over my code and I know which text I am adding. So that will be... Yes. Um, I mean, Terraform, yeah, okay. play, yeah, I think it's probably a little bit harder to figure that out. But yeah, sure. I mean, there shouldn't be too <laughs> many tools tagging resources randomly, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully at least. But um <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. maybe there will be two or three tools. I mean, I know tools for backup, for example, backup schedules and stuff mm-hmm. like this. I mean, there are tools, yeah, but the, hopefully it's yeah. two or three and add more. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, you're right. <laughs> okay, okay, Michael. Um, anything else or is that all for this week? That's it. Perfect. So uh, we will be back next week. Subscribe to our newsletter, podcast, or YouTube channel to make sure you're not missing the upcoming shows. And also, we are looking forward to your feedback. Hello at cloudonor.io or find us on LinkedIn or Mastodon. Yeah, and we also want to thank our supporters uh, who make the show possible. And uh, you can uh, please consider becoming a supporter as well. So they're basically one-time and recurring options. Uh, so check out uh, the video description or the show notes to, to see the details. Um, so thank you very much for listening and we will see you next week. Yeah, thanks. Bye.